Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Dr. Chris Martinson with your first Peak Prosperity episode of 2023. Let's get right to it. You know what we're doing today? We're going to look back a year. What a year this was. I, I, there was so much material to go through. I really had a hard time skinnying it down to just picking the highlights or the lowlights, depending on how you want to look at this. What a tough year that was. Tough for censorship, tough for truth, beauty, the American way, tough for anything that you could actually wrap your arms around and really believe in from a standpoint of integrity, at least here in the United States. And according to my European colleagues and friends over there, tough year over there as well, but to say nothing of what it was like in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, other places. And of course, our misery, nothing compared to what's going on in Ukraine and Russia at this point in time. So let's get started with it right now. Actually, let's go all the way back to uh, December of 2021, a year and a tiny bit. So I put out this episode and Omicron deaths a surprising number because what was surprising was there weren't that many deaths. This was something, so when the Omicron variant first burst on the scene, I remember I woke up the morning after, well, it was actually, I think the night of Thanksgiving in November, 2021, this new variant broke out and all of a sudden there was this flurry and I was tracking it like crazy. And within a few weeks we'd had it sequenced. I didn't, but I mean, somebody did. And we were able to look at that and say, this is a totally new beast. So we were looking for early returns well, fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, Omicron spreads really, really rapidly. So we had early returns. So here's what we found by December 22nd, 2021. Let's jump straight to the conclusions from that episode. And they were these. First, Omicron is a very, very mild version of SARS-CoV-2, I said. Um, I said that being fully vaccinated does not prevent and in fact accelerates catching Omicron. How did I know that already? You can see people are just barely getting their minds around this now, a year and a month later in the mainstream press. Boy, are they slow. That's why we like to do what we do, because it's not that hard to be fast to these things. You just have to, well, not have a belief system that's in the way of understanding what the data is trying to tell you. I think that's our magic. Um, we see there that Omicron outcompetes all of the variants. All in all, this was actually, I wrote then, Back in December of 2021, this is the very, very best we could have hoped for, and that this spells the end of the COVID crisis. Why? Because you have a very rapidly propagating variant that's going to push out all the other variants, and it's a mild variant. So that was the best you could possibly hope for. And I wrote in conclusion at the end there, I strongly recommend that the fear mongers just stop. That would be the Eric Fageldings there on Twitter. That would be NPR. That would be New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, all the fear-mongering mainstream media outlets, the BBC, The Guardian, all those fear-mongers out there who just wanted to keep this fear narrative going. That was their big theme through 2021 and 2022. Well, as you and I know, you can still pull up articles today. Oh my God. This latest variant is going to da, 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 da. And of course, none of them ever do because, well, because they're doing what variants do. They became less lethal over time. So how did those predictions bear out? I said, basically, I said, <clears throat> third bullet point down, Omicron outcompetes other variants. That's according to UK data. Very good. It blasts through very quickly and it's all going to be over in two to three months. That's what I said at the most. So how did that prediction bear out? Well, I made the prediction right here, this purple arrow, that two to three months, this would all sort of begin to bear itself out. And here we see this is global deaths, global, just plummeted right there, starting about a couple months in after I made that prediction. So that was a fairly easy prediction to make. 
uh, because, well, because of logic. And so wouldn't it have been great, people, if 2022, 2020, 2021 had been dominated by health authorities using common sense and using the best available data and um, actually doing things that were helpful. And that would include, um, well, I would include all these cats on here because this was one of the big themes for 2022 was censorship, absolute censorship. And we saw this by all of those, uh, you know, social media giants out there. And that was no good. And we saw one version of that was fact checkers. I had to fact check the fact checkers. I hold series. I did the Associated Press. I did PolitiFact. I did Facebook. I did Twitter. Um, they did a horrible job, almost invariably getting it dead wrong. Sometimes the fact checkers were a great way for me to understand what the 180 degree opposite answer actually was. How did they get it so blinking wrong time after time after time? I don't know. That'll be something for the journalist professors to finally study again at such point in time in the future when universities again are relevant. More on that in just a second. Another huge theme we saw this term just pop up and it popped up not just because of the movie that came out around that name, but because of, well, these are all just pictures of people, including right below me down there, uh, that poor aggrieved, I mean, this father is, is just devastated by the loss of his son, Sean. And he's been just heroically making waves about that and attempting to keep a spotlight on the vaccine death of his son. Um, a tragic case, but these are all tragic cases and, and they're, tens of thousands of them. So this was a huge theme that emerged in 2022. To get to connect that to the fact checkers, we saw the media doing heroic work trying to connect those tragic deaths to everything under the sun, except for the you know what. Um, and we saw as well a huge theme starting to emerge in 2022, again, was this idea of the protests that were erupting, protests all across Europe. We saw trucker protests, farmer protests, people protesting. There's a restiveness to all of this. And of course, the way we talk about it at Peak Prosperity and on this channel is around rats in a cage. It's perfectly okay to protest, but make sure you're protesting against the person or entity who's actually delivering the shocks to your life, not to the poor people who are also having to maintain the system, like the police. Often the police are not your, in any way, shape or form, the opposition. In fact, seen in the right way, they would be on the same side as the protesters. Now, we are gonna be discussing a lot of these big themes and more because these themes, well, they're like, well, what do I do about these? You need to be prepared, people. So let me pitch my own seminar that's coming up here at the end of January in 2023, January 28, 29. This is our annual seminar. It's highly acclaimed. This is our year in preview. So we're gonna look at 2023 and we're gonna bring in a bunch of awesome experts. We'll have here, Corey and Brett Weinstein, and uh, we're gonna have um, Robert Kiyosaki is gonna be there, and Steve Kirsch, myself, of course, and many other experts on there talking about everything from economy to health, medicine, oil, where things are going, because you have to connect all these different dots to have a sense of where things are going. And that's what we do at Peak Prosperity, somewhat uniquely, I would suggest. And so if you want to come and join, I would just let you know there's an early bird special that's running until January 9th. I can let you read that. But if you're a key supporter, if you sign up at that level, hey, all our tickets to our events are free. They're complimentary. Plus, you get awesome, other awesome stuff. If you're a Peak Insider, another level of our membership, you get 20% off all 
ticket purchases. Plus, you can slap that on top of the Insider, sorry, the Early Bird Special to make it really very affordable. So those are the details right there. And this is the URL down here that you can get to if you want to attend the seminar and help develop a plan. But the best part about this seminar is that we open up Discord servers for five full days. All the seminar participants get to engage with each other, segregate off by geography or interest and talk with each other, which is the most important part. In fact, I think it's the best part of the whole seminar is just getting you guys together. Uh, so please come by, check it out if you want. Now, another big theme for 2022 is this rather embarrassing, uh, massive migration. We saw mass migration in the United States where people fled California, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, Massachusetts, where I live, Louisiana, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Minnesota, almost entirely places that went into COVID craziness, mass psychosis, lockdowns, and insanity. And who knew that turned out to be unpopular with human beings who decided to go to places like Florida, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Arizona, Idaho, Alabama, and Oklahoma. So people get to vote with their feet. This is a big, big giant problem for the states where they have all the leaving populations there where they are losing populations because very typically the people you lose are the people who are mobile and the people who are mobile are the people with options. And quite often, big Venn diagram overlap, those are the people with resources, AKA your taxpayers who pay the most of your bills. So these are big, big migrations. And of course, you would think that these sorts of results would actually result in eventually the leadership going, maybe we're doing something wrong here. You know, Eventually you'd think CNN would look at their viewership numbers and compare them to the alternative media and say, wow, maybe we should be giving people more truth <laughs> and less fiction, you would think. But <clears throat> that's the thing about mass psychoses. They actually cause people to entrench their beliefs more fully. They don't cause people to reevaluate their missteps. So these are missteps. We can see them. It's pretty dramatic what's going on, but that was a big theme in 2022. Expect that to continue. Now, <clears throat> another big theme we saw was this idea of quiet quitting, which is where workers all over the world here in 2022 started jumping on this trend, quiet quitting. And they tried to reframe this in the media here in the United States, basically to say, oh, this is just people trying to get a little more balance back in their lives. But instead, it's probably more the case, I think, where people who were stuck in soul-destroying jobs realized, this isn't worth it. Why am I doing this? I'm going to do the bare minimum rather than, you know, this whole idea that I have to give my best to a job where the company doesn't care about me, where there's no loyalty whatsoever, where I'm just, you know, replaceable cog in a machine, where, you know, I'm only one illness away from being fired for, you know, not being a good worker, whatever the story is, the contract that, that was thin at best, I think, at this stage of the game between capital and labor got really shredded by not just the nature of the lockdowns, but by the egregious, heavy-handed, capricious manner in which those lockdowns were administered, often by flunky functionary health department officials who didn't know really a, a health code from a public health policy standpoint from an economic basic fact. They couldn't tell them apart, couldn't differentiate them. These were unqualified people, but they were still out there going, we're going to close that restaurant, but not that one. These two will leave the big stores open. 
can't close that one politically. That would be tricky. So they, they did this in a very, very uneven, capricious manner. And of course, well, the social contract gets a little shredded. Lots of things shredded the social contract, but quiet quitting is the output from that. That's the US edition, of course, this was worldwide. So Australia had its own version of this thing and they spun it as saying, oh, workers are just trying to avoid burnout. That's how this is playing out. But in fact, often um, what's really happening is said in green there, you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. And of course, that was maybe a positive that came out of COVID was a lot of people reevaluating and going, why am I killing myself for this soul destroying, meaningless job? And so quiet quitting was a big trend in 2022 that's gonna have enormous impacts on overall productivity and profitability as we go forward. Now, what were some other big themes here? Well, unfortunately, this one was, we saw this excess mortality spiking all over the world. I had a piece there about excess deaths in New Zealand. And since then, the health authorities, they are doing their level best to either suppress the data or reclassify it. This is happening in Canada, United States, UK. They're all trying their best to try and minimize this really atrociously, horrifyingly bad data, which you saw in those faces I had earlier, all those you know people who, who died before they should have. And here now we're seeing numbers like this. When they say that it all started with that Indiana Life Insurance CEO, that was back in um, uh, early 2022, came out and shocked me, shocked the world by saying that deaths were up 40% among working age people, 18 to 64, 40% excess mortality compared to expected never seen outside of the context of a world war where you're sending people off specifically to die. That's how extreme that excess mortality was. And of course, there's been all this spin and faulty logic applied ever since. Here was an example from September of 2022. They said COVID-19 mortality surged among the young in third quarter 2021. I have to chuckle a little, this is, I'm chuckling just at how bad this interpretation was. So here we see these are ages zero to 39 in red and 75 plus in the yellowish color. Look at this massive spike right here. Notice that there was some excess deaths down here in 2020. This would have been the COVID years, right? This is when COVID was around. Maybe you could assign that to COVID, but how do you say it must have been COVID-19 mortality that surged here in 2021 in the third quarter? That is a stretch. And of course, there's nothing to support that except we have potentially some death certificates which say COVID on them, but as we all know, dying with versus dying of, and there are lots of examples of where that was done inappropriately. So we have garbage data. That was a huge theme for 2022. Bad data from our health authorities entrusted with doing one thing. They have one job, keep the health data and keep it clean. And of course, they did the opposite of both those things. They didn't collect the data. And when they did, they made it garbage. So it's very, very difficult to look at, but we can look at this chart for ourselves and understand that if you were gonna expect a big XX surge from COVID, it was probably gonna be back here, not right here. And of course we have lots and lots of other data to suggest what is actually going on here. And so I think you and I know what that is. Now, again, we would see based on this, that data right there, we had Reuters coming out and fact checking. You gotta fact check the fact checkers because they are so terrible at what they do. This is Reuters, of course, as we all know, the CEO of Reuters is also on the board at Pfizer. Oh, 
Oh, that's kind of a kind of a fun thing there. And in yellow, quote, the CDC, here they are. They're trying to fact check. Sorry, let me back up. They're trying to, they say here, no evidence. There is no evidence that people of this age experienced an increase in excess mortality due to the COVID vaccine rollout. And they're, the way they can make that declarative no evidence for that claim is they say here, quote, the CDC also notes on the page that there are several limitations to the data, saying it's provisional and incomplete. Yeah, but the CDC, you're the ones who are supposed to make that not provisional and not incomplete. Remember, you have one job. Keep the data clean and keep it up to date. So when they go to the web page, like, well, the CDC says the data is provisional and incomplete. Hmm. Therefore, you know, literally, it's it's uh, what's the metaphor for this? It, it, it's kind of it would be like it would be like. I don't know, putting O.J. Simpson in charge of um, figuring out who killed Nicole Simpson. I mean, it's just there's something really wrong with this whole system right here where you have to fact check the fact checkers who are then relying on data that you every time I scratch at the data, I find out it's just a complete crap show. And every time you dig into this stuff, it is invariable now that I'm just super disappointed with a study, with the study design, with the data. It doesn't have to be this way and it shouldn't be this way. But in 2022, it was this way. So when we get to our prognostications for 2023, I certainly hope that one of the things that we get in 2023 is accountability. All right, carrying on, they said here, quote, and these excess deaths should most certainly not be attributed to specific events or causes. This is a quote from the CDC. They just represent an overall higher number of deaths in this age group relative to previous years and could be due to any number of different factors. Missed COVID-19 deaths, missed emergency care for conditions like heart disease, increases in drug overdose deaths, motor vehicle traffic fatalities. <laughs> You're supposed to study this stuff. Remember, it's your job, your job. You get these signals from the data that you're supposed to collect and then you're supposed to look at it and figure out what it means. It's your job, CDC. Anyway, hard to dispatch with their reputation any further than they themselves have already chucked it down a deep and stinky well. Carrying on, and look at that. We'll go back up to the headline. No evidence for this increase. No evidence. But NCHS said that there were 63,141 more deaths in that age group in 2021 compared to 2019, an increase of 44%. So see what they did there? Like, there's no evidence of an 84% increase, but, but there is evidence of a 44% increase. Just a 44% increase. What are you going to do? So they, they set up a straw man and debunked their own straw man. And I know that people who are caught up in the mass formation, the mass psychosis, they read that headline and go, oh, yeah, these people keep trying to claim that there's some excess mortality, but they keep getting debunked by the fact checkers over there at Reuters. And by the way, if I dug into whoever it is that writes these fact checks at Reuters, will discover, guaranteed, they got a bachelor's in poli-sci, maybe journalism, possibly they were an Etsy art you know, uh, creator for a number of years, and possibly worked at Teen Vogue magazine. It's just how we know that this stuff works. Okay, carrying on, you got to fact check the fact checkers. So that was a big theme for 2022 was just how bad the fact checkers were. Not just bad, I think actionably, actionably bad. I think criminally bad. I think so bad they should never be allowed to fact check anything ever again. So Reuters, Facebook, PolitiFact, 
all of them. You're out. All right. <clears throat> Another big theme of 2022 was I wrote, you know, way back in March, I said, hey, this inflation thing is going to get worse. This is a little bit before it was really all over the news. How did I know that? I know that because when you look at this chart of broad money supply compared to the CPI, which is this consumer price index uh, inflation, you will see that these two things tend to move in symphony. They are highly correlated. So this wasn't that hard. I looked at here, starting in 2020, the increase in the M2 money supply. The black line is the actual increase in money in trillions. So this went from 16 to just under 22 trillions. It's like $6 trillion of excess money just chucked in the economy. Thank you, Federal Reserve. By the way, it made the billionaires more billionaire and it drove a lot of inflation. So making the inflation prediction was very, very easy, very simple. Of course, most of the economists missed this. And if you had a central bank like I did, or you had an ex-central banker working in the Treasury Department like Janet Yellen, they were busy lying to us saying inflation won't be that bad or it'll be transitory or something. No, it won't, because look at this chart. This chart here goes back to 1960. And we've never seen anything like this red spike in terms of a percentage year-over-year increase in broad money, which is called M2 in this chart. This was the most massive, exceptional chart, by the way. Quick prediction. We are not done with this inflation at this point in time. One does not simply remove that amount of excess money easily without crashing markets, without crashing jobs, without crashing an economy, or you're going to have to eat higher inflation for longer than you expect. It's not hard. You just have to know which data to look at and not be afraid to look at it. Although that is kind of a scary chart down there. That thing's, thing's kind of nasty looking. No question about it. Um, so that was a big theme. I talk about you know economic things all the time. I did also talk about how there was a real estate crash coming. I said that back in May. A little early, but it's kind of how I roll. And that also was an easy sort of a statement to make because we saw, it's, remember, it's not, it's not the destination that gets you. It's the pace of change. Right? There's nothing wrong with decelerating from 110 miles an hour as long as you do it over a number of yards. Doing it on the sidewalk all at once at the base of a building, very bad. So the pace of change is what gets you. Look at the pace of change in the average fixed rate mortgage for in the United States. That pace of change was guaranteed to start firing bullets at the real estate market. So that was a big theme. The whole overall economic dysregulation that was going to come from COVID, COVID supply shocks, lockdowns, terrible decisions, policy errors by the Federal Reserve, policy errors by politicians, uh, the Russian sanctions that are going to absolutely destroy the European economy because of a paucity of energy, because energy is actually the initial precursor to all prosperity in our economic model. When you look at that, it's pretty easy to predict where things are going to go. But you have to be willing to understand what these lie, what these charts are telling your own lion eyes, not what the newspaper is telling you. So big theme for me always is get those purveyors of actual misinformation out of your life. So the mainstream media, if they do anything at all, they've been fantastic at projecting their own weaknesses onto other people, saying, oh, we're really worried about misinformation out there when actually they are the purveyors of misinformation extraordinaire. They miss the big stories, they commit sins of omission and commission, they're locked into a set of belief structures that don't allow them to see what the data is telling them, and they persist with false narratives way after those false narratives have been proven 
to be ruinously bad or untrue. So at any rate, that's where we've been at. So remember, the media just complete. There's, there's 2022 is the year they really lost their minds. 2020 and 21, not good. But look at this headline that just came out. Now it's artificial sweeteners are behind the spike in sudden deaths and heart attacks, experts claim. But of course, other experts had said things like, oh, I don't know, does skipping breakfast increase your risk of heart attacks? It's, oh, it must be lonely older women at greater risk of heart attacks. Actually, I'm, we think it's gardening. Could be gardening. Um, falling asleep with a telly on. Maybe that's what's been happening here. Little known heart attacks that, that are suddenly striking fit and healthy women at the age of 20, as young as 22. Uh, do you live under a flight path? <laughs> just, I'm laughing because this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is, this is them pointing at every possible thing and doing it in a way which the same press would excoriate you if you said, you know, I think there's a connection between those heart attacks and these things. And, oh, there's no evidence of that. No, that's inappropriate. You could never say that correlation does not equal causation. By the way, have you heard about gardening, flight paths, televisions? mysterious things just like at any rate uh again it's that iron law of projection which says that when the media or anybody is accusing you of something and they're really serious about it usually it means they've got it themselves it's actually you spot it you got it it's one of those deals so at any rate the economy really cratered for a lot of people for too many people just the level of homelessness in the united states is really it's it's very very bad by the way roughly half of every homeless, all the homeless people in the United States live in California. So that's the utopia, the Mecca, the place with, you know, the, the most um, progressive uh, political leadership. And yet somehow they've created a place with the most inequality, with the most unaffordable housing and with the largest homeless population. So the words sound caring and decent, but the outcomes are the exact opposite of that. Remember, if you have a choice in life, you trust the actions or the outcomes more than you trust the words. And if the words and the actions and the outcomes have nothing to do with each other, you got to think these are full of crap. All right. So that's where we are now. Twittergate, one of the biggest things to happen in 2022. Elon Musk, thank you. Big thank you to Elon Musk because he came out and he committed the cardinal sin of the elites, of which he's one of, right? It being, a, being a, one of the world's richest men. And that sin is, they, they say you can always, the, the, the elites say you, it's okay to air laundry, but privately. So you can come up to them in a private, you know, and hash it out. You never do these things publicly. You never open the doors and allow the public to see what's actually happening. You never criticize each other in public. So by opening up the Twitter files, we saw just how rotten this whole thing had become. And so when we look at this, what is censored? According to Merriam-Webster, the dictionary censored definition is it's something that is suppressed or altered or deleted as objectionable. It's subjected to censorship. So suppressed, altered, deleted as objectionable subjected to censorship. So did we see that? Yes, we saw that. We saw that all the social media companies were busy doing that, elevating this point of view and suppressing that one and canceling these people and elevating these people. And they were very much had their thumbs on the scales of this whole thing. But, but, but as we found out, they weren't operating all by themselves. They were operating in concert with U.S. 
agencies. And we don't have all the files yet, but we know for sure the FBI was up to their eyeballs in this. We know for sure that the White House was up to their eyeballs in this. We, we know these things, right? All right. So, but possibly I think they're a bit on the run here in the United States. So I consider this good news. December 23rd, this came out. The House GOP wants FBI's Twitter censorship and reimbursement records because they were paying, the federal government was paying Twitter to suppress information and censors information. Big no-no. And in yellow, quote, House Republicans sent the FBI a preservation notice Friday seeking records on the Bureau's role in Twitter censoring content like uh, the post-Hunter Biden reporting, citing evidence from recent Twitter files. So that Hunter Biden laptop, that is the laptop from hell. That thing is gross and disgusting and has very clear, obvious fouls all over it and crimes, right? Drug use, gun law violations, um, prostitution, what appears to be uh, victim uh, sexual um, sort of uh, errors and, and uh, crimes going on there. It had corruption, bribing, you name it. This thing was like a, you know, a script writer from L.A. got a hold of uh, this thing and turned out a B movie. It's that bad, right? And, of course, the FBI was up to their eyeballs suppressing that, of course, with a lot of help from Twitter. So when you get a preservation notice, that's what happens when you're about to be sued by somebody. And they say, so once you get the preservation notice, if you delete anything, after that moment in time, that in and of itself becomes an obstruction of justice crime or, a, or a, an actual criminal element where you might be facing a civil suit and you get a preservation notice. And if you violate that, you are now out of the civil territory and you have now committed some sort of a, a, a bigger foul. So, wow, the FBI got a preservation notice. And uh, I have to think that they're a little bit on the run now around all of this as well. Yeah, I think so, because the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal talked about the Twitter censorship files here. And so um, they say here the mistaken claims in 2020 by former spooks about Hunter Biden's emails framed the social media site's decision to block the, the news. Fifty former intelligence officials claimed that Hunter Biden's laptop had all the earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign when those same 50 former intelligence officials knew better, guaranteed. They knew it wasn't that. And of course, the FBI had that laptop since 2019. They had plenty of time to authenticate it. They had plenty of time to look at what this thing actually was, and they knew that. And then for all these former intelligence aid you know, officials to come out and say that, well, two things ought to have happened. First, they ought to get in trouble for that. But at second, at a minimum, none of those same former intelligence officials should ever be trusted ever again, but you will see them on TV still plying their wares and pretending as if they know something about anything, which clearly they don't. They're either proven liars or they are proven to be completely inept at what they do. Either way, not worthy as commentators of anything unless you want to know about lying and being corrupt. Then invite them on, but talk about that. Don't ask them their opinion on anything important. So what they wrote here was really important in this uh, op-ed this was an editorial, quote, a third point is the confirmation of the central role that former spies played in October 2020, framing the Hunter Biden story in a way that made it easier for Twitter and Facebook to justify their censorship. Recall that former Democratic intelligence officials James Clapper and John Brennan led the spooks in issuing a public statement suggesting that the laptop may have been hacked and its content was Russian disinformation. 
On October 16, 2020, Mr. Clapper told CNN, to me, this is just classic textbook Soviet Russian tradecraft at work. <laughs> Soviet Russian uh, classic. James, you got to catch up with the times. Um, I'm pretty sure the whole Soviet thing, that went away in like 1989. So kind of update your Rolodex here and see if you can catch up with it with the modern times. At any rate, I really dis I dislike, I dislike low integrity liars. So I really dislike this guy a lot. Um, so at any rate, in yellow, we now know that the Clapper Brandon claims were themselves disinformation and that the laptop was genuine and not part of a Russian operation. CBS News recently waddled in two years later with a forensic analysis of its own and concluded it's real. But down in there, nearly all the rest of the press ignored or trashed that story. So again, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The press 2021, 2022 revealed the extent to which the press has destroyed itself. They are not worthy of your time, not worthy of your attention. I only use the press now mostly to figure out, well, I trust the press with, well, movie reviews, sports outcomes, and sports writing. Maybe, yeah, I think restaurant reviews, maybe some stuff like that. But in terms of politics, geopolitics, health, completely corrupt, shot through, useless. Spend no time on them whatsoever if you have a chance. All right, carrying on. The deep state was exposed. James Howard Kunstler, if you are not familiar with him, you gotta go by and check it out. There's the link down there below. He writes at the Cluster F Chronicles down there. Um, Kunstler.com will get you there. He was writing up his 2022 year-end review, and I loved this part. He wrote here, the deep state in appreciation. I love how he writes. America's at a crossroads, a threshold, a tipping point. Every vital institution in the land has at least partially wrecked, most especially, has been at least partially wrecked, most especially the ones in charge of the rule of law, which was the best thing we had going for us. The deep state is for real, the weaponization of a national bureaucracy against the nation itself. Yet, it's certainly not just an American thing. It's happening across Western Civ. Is it some sort of a natural process of self-destruction, destruction, an autoimmune disorder of a giant cultural organism with parts attacking the whole? <laughs> like that's, hey, FBI, are you just an autoimmune disease? Hey, if the shoe fits, right? The USA, Great Britain, Canada, and Australia took such special pride in being open societies, and now they are consumed in censorious lunacy. Continental Europe had a sketchier history with liberty, the enlightened individualism of every man, though... They actually birthed its principles, but now the whole works is infected and ailing, and by what? It's as if some cosmic spike protein came among us and got into all our hearts. I love that. I love this idea. The weaponization of a national bureaucracy against the nation itself. That is what we're up against right now, and it's not a good thing. This needs to be dealt with, needs to be cleansed. This isn't like people retiring with golden handcuffs and sliding off to cushy jobs out there in the corporate world. This is a really serious problem that we have. And if we don't remedy it, we're going to go down a very dark path. We're already down a dark path, but I mean further down that dark path. And we'll get to that in a minute because this is the formation of that mass psychosis. I'm going to talk about that again just a tiny bit. <clears throat> so we also found out in 2022 that, that COVID wasn't even a proper pandemic. 
The inestimable John Ioannidis out of Stanford writing here with some other people that came across this paper just came out recently in December. Look at this, highlights. Across 31 systematically identified national seroprevalence studies, so they're looking at, at the prevalence of antibodies in people's blood. That's sort of the gold standard for figuring out how many people have been exposed. What was the infection fatality rate, the IFR? And so they identified the national seroprevalence studies in the pre-vaccination era. The median infection fatality rate of COVID-19 was estimated to be 0.034% for people aged 0 to 59 years and 0.095% for those aged 0 to 69. So that's from the pre-vaccination era. Pre-vaccination era. In yellow, the median infection fatality rate, or IFR, was 0.003% at 0 to 19 years, 0.002% at 20 to 29 years, 0.011% at 30 to 39 years, 0.035% at 40 to 49, and on through there. So at a global level, they write pre-vaccination, infection fatality rates may have been as low as 0.03% and 0.07% for zero to 59 year olds. This is what the chart looks like here. So let's flip that IFR and we'll turn it into survival rates. And this is a log chart here, right here. So it goes from 0.0001%. This is in percent right here, I infection fatality rate, to 0.001 to 0.01 to 0.1 to one. So that's 1%, which means there's a 99% survival rate. And that would be for people age 60 to 69 you have a 99% survival rate in the pre-vaccination era. So what was the urgency? What was the emergency? We had to quick, and even today, there's this emergency use authorization. You hear this, we have this emergency and we have to vaccinate in particular zero to five-year-olds and five to 12-year-olds. Those are still out there being promoted, being pushed by people, and they need to be asked this question, which is, show me the emergency on here. This says that somewhere between a 99.999% and 99.9999% survival rate for people in the zero to 19 age bracket. That is the actual survival rate. Three nines or four nines past 99. It's just, this is, where's the emergency? What, what is the emergency? Well, here's where it gets really dark because when you fall down the mass psychosis pathway, things don't have to make sense, in fact, it's better if they don't make sense. In fact, the people who want the whole thing to stay crazy and insane, the more insane it is and the less sensical it is, the better. And what would make less sense than having the most premier educational institution in your land get this completely wrong? That would be pretty nonsensical. So let's turn now again to my favorite uh, example of this, Harvard University. They've gone absolutely mental on this whole thing. Here they are, and again, I just pulled this today, so, so this is here on January 2nd. They still have a COVID-19 vaccine requirement, but here's how we know it's mental. Remember, this is an age-stratified risk, so the older you are, the higher the risk you have, even though it's still pretty much not all that deadly, but it's still age-stratified. So the younger you are, the more, um, say, the safer you are, and the older you are, the more at risk you are. It's age-stratified. So what would make more sense here? Well, not this, check this out. They say here in this pink highlighting, Harvard highly recommends being up to date 
per the CDC definition for all Harvard community members, including faculty, staff, and researchers. Well, so this is the teachers, the researchers, staff, workers, and even you know, the older people. They highly recommend that you get a, a vaccine there. New employees to Harvard will be required to attest to having received their primary series upon hire. You just gotta say, did you get one? Yes, that's it, you just have to attest. That's what they've allowed. They allow you to attest. Um, as of December 22, 2022, so you can see this is pretty recent, current employees are no longer required to submit COVID-19 documentation to the Harvard University Health System for compliance purposes. However, let's go down here to this part, bivalent updated booster requirement. Harvard requires the new bivalent COVID-19 booster for all eligible students with an on-campus presence. So Harvard students, you wanna go, you are required to get the bivalent booster, which by the way, bivalent two pieces, piece one is for the alpha strain, which has not been seen in circulation in the wild in over a year and a half. And part two would be an early version of Omicron, which these versions of Omicron they're circulating completely evade and avoid. And in fact, as per our earlier other reporting we've been doing, may actually make you more likely, not less likely, to be susceptible to catching this over and over and over again. And you should come by Peak Prosperity and check out the IgG4 story that we're still um, hunting down and looking at. By the way, it's, a, it's not a good story, but Harvard should be able to figure this out. Don't you think? They should be able to figure this out, but they can't. But they're saying exactly the opposite of anything that would make sense because nonsense is the point of this. But what they're saying, you can't make sense of it, and I can't make it make sense for you because what they're saying is, if you're older, we sort of strongly recommend you get these vaccines. But if you're a student, we require it. You can't make sense of that. But maybe that's not the point. So Harvard remains absolutely mental. Maybe it's just them, but this is a local community college here in our region, the Greenfield Community College, same thing. COVID-19 vaccination policy. They, you know, these guys are actually shamefully unintelligent or ignorant, for which there really is no excuse for an institution of higher learning. They're writing here in September of 21, all of the Massachusetts community colleges announced a system-wide vaccine requirement for students and employees to take effect January, 2022. This requirement has been crafted in consultation with the stakeholders across all community colleges in the Commonwealth, being put in place to increase the health and safety of our learning and working environments in the face of continuing public health crisis. I would invite them to point out on this chart where they see this crisis. Is it at the 99.999% level or is it at the 99.99% level? Where, where's the crisis? So obviously they can't, there, there's no logic here. They can't point to that, but they are still continuing with it. And I expect and require that the people who pretend to be or would offer themselves to be those who would be responsible for shaping the future minds of the country to at least demonstrate that they're capable of having a shaped thought themselves in the first place. Remember, if you're gonna export democracy to other countries, you kinda have to have some in the first place. If you're gonna teach people how to think critically and to become fully functioning adults, maybe you need to have some of that yourself in the first place, right? So very hard to teach something you don't have. And so this is just really shameful what's going on at the university system level here. Now, how did this happen? This happened because of this continuing crisis of mass psychosis. Now, this is a true crisis. Had a couple of interviews starting in 2021 
with Matthias Desmond, he talks about this mass formation, as he calls it, mass psychosis is more colloquially what you and I may call it, or it's this thing that happens across a mass of people, that's the mass part of this, a mass of people who suddenly go cray-cray. And when they do, they buy tulip bulbs for insane amounts of money, they burn witches who aren't actually witches, they hold mass drownings at the Bridget Nantes at the tail end of the French Revolution under the Jacobins. They become Nazis and do crazy things and, you know, put people in gas chambers. Mass formation is a very routine thing. It happens over and over again, and it should not be allowed to happen lightly. But there are people out there who are actively promoting this and attempting to not only initiate it, but then sustain it. And I would submit to you that this here, this is part of sustaining the mass psychosis, so very uncool. This is part of sustaining it. But there's a lot of other places that went down that very dark rabbit hole. And remember, there's four conditions to going down the mass psychosis hole. This was a very important learning that we, we built up through 2022. And I wanna just raise it again, it's that important. First, you need to have a lack of social bonds or a decoupling of social connections, societal connections, right? So lack of social bonds. Hey. All those people who feel connected because they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Snapchat, they're on TikTok, whatever they're doing, those are not actually social bonds. It feels like it. It's got a high dopamine reward system built in, but it's not the actual thing that happens when you, on a resonant analog basis, get face-to-face -face with somebody and you actually have a real honest-to-God social connection. And as well, that decoupling of societal connections, hey, that's the quiet quitting. Hey, that's some of the things we've been seeing going on lately. Hey, all of that. So condition one, heavily achieved, promoted by the same mass media and social media giants who are now trying to sustain this whole thing. So they created condition one on purpose. In fact, you can easily find um, videos of people who are executives within those same social media companies telling you flat out like none of my kids are getting a, a tablet none of my kids are on the on that any of that junk because they know the science behind how to hook somebody and then get them addicted to these dopaminergic path reward you know reward pathway feedback things is very very high and it's not a condition of saying oh if i was a stronger person i could resist that no more than you could say, if I was just strong enough, I'd figure out how to stop breathing, right? It's not like that. We're wired in a certain way, and that wiring has been hijacked, and has been hijacked for very nefarious purposes, and that's in large measure the explanatory function behind what actually happened, why it was this way. It didn't have to be this way, but it was, and I'm submitting to you that some people did this and were doing it consciously. We called them nudge units. Big theme in 2022 when we learned about that. These are the psychological programmers and operators who are out there busy trying to create certain specific societal outcomes, and they do it here by beginning with step one. First, destroy the social bonds. Two, there has to be a lack of sense-making. Things specifically should be nonsensical, right? You think Harvard is not capable of understanding that it's nonsense to take the people least affected by this thing and make them have the requirement while taking the people who are more susceptible to this and removing the requirement, that's complete nonsense. And that fits right in with step two, this loss of sense-making, it can be intentional. So when people have the capability of not being complete, well, mental units in this particular case, uh, and they choose to be that way, then it's intentional. That's how I would submit to you it is intentional for these folks. So 
Uh, three, free-floating anxiety. You got to have that. Oh, and of course, that's what the various hobgoblins put out by the mass media and social media giants. Constant, constant anxiety producing. It's North Korea. It's Iran. It's uh, Russia and Ukraine. It's this crazy virus that you can't see that will kill you. You're going to have to wash your, your doorknobs and your, and your broccoli off before you bring it inside, stuff like that. And then, of course, you have that number four, free-floating psychological discontent or rage, that anger that needs to be there. And when you have those four conditions, now you can create this mass psychosis event, and then it has a mind of its own. And often, if you don't have that thing get terminated in some important way, what happens is you end up in mass atrocities. That's what history says. That's the fire we're playing with. That's the conversation we should be having because this is serious business. And of course, we don't get any sort of serious response to that. This is what we get. Canada went completely down the mental rabbit hole on this whole thing. So this was crazy to me. Remember, remember when they had the whole trucker thing? I was just capturing stuff, so I pulled a couple things out of my files here. So yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa, by law, which is their police department up there, says, please be advised, a number of fine amounts have been increased. So examples of increased fine amounts, well, unusual noise. A thousand bucks, unusual noise. They should just say honking. Well, the safety device on my vehicle, I can't use it anymore, so honking. So unusual noise, a thousand bucks. Shouting, shouting, a thousand dollars. Urination, defecation on a road or sidewalk, a thousand dollars. Encumber a highway, a thousand dollars. Idling, a thousand dollars. And of course, what the truckers were protesting was the economic devastation and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and also the nonsense about being locked down around the vaccination policy, which did not permit people in Canada to travel. Even within Canada, they got locked down due to that vaccination policy. And all of those new increased fine amounts are being administered by the same Ottawa police that took time to exempt themselves from the vaccine mandate. Well, that's that seems kind of low integrity and a little bizarre here, you know, but that's an example of that loss of sense making. That's an example of shredding the social bonds. It's an example of creating this this sense of us versus them, that rats in a cage thing. So so that that's where that went. And how did we get there? We got there for a couple reasons. Um, first, the media just dove in in Canada. They really dove in. But now we know that they had military and military grade propaganda units influencing the media. We know that the media was paid hundreds of millions of dollars directly by the Canadian government. And so, of course, obviously, you know, you can't bite the hand that feeds you. And then we also know that um, the nudge units that were operating in Canada, all of them conspired together to give you headlines like this, which is just the unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. How can we ever forgive them? This is a Toronto star, Heather Malik. I shall never let you forget that or your editors. This is just completely disgusting. But you want to hear the worst of it we don't have examples in history where that I'm aware of prior to, you know, post-World War II where leaders of Western nations were actively and openly signaling that it was okay to hold certain other classes of their citizens, not just in contempt, but in an othering that dehumanized them. Well, let's listen in on Justin Trudeau as he commits these sins. Ryan Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and, frankly, disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. Hate can never 
be the answer. I want to be very clear. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. Tous les Canadiens ont le droit d'exprimer leur opinion ou leur désaccord avec leur gouvernement, mais ils n'ont pas le droit de menacer ou de harceler leurs concitoyens ni de propager des messages de haine. There is no place in our country for threats, violence or hatred. So to those responsible for this behavior, it needs to stop. To anyone who joined the convoy but is rightly uncomfortable with the symbols of hatred and division on display, join with your fellow Canadians. Be courageous and speak out. Do not stand for or with intolerance and hate. And to Canadians at home, watching in disgust and disbelief at this behavior, wondering how this could have happened in our nation's capital after everything we've been through, the behavior on display this weekend does not represent you. Hateful rhetoric, abuse towards their fellow citizens, there is always a right to protest peacefully that I and others will defend fully as part of this democracy. There is not a right to incite violence, perform acts of violence, or to spew hatred. And I think anyone who is part of this group who is disgusted by what their folks protesting alongside are doing needs to step up and take responsibility, condemn these actions, and look for other ways to express their displeasure. All right, all right, Ryan, that's it. That's all I can take. That's all I can take. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hold... Justin Trudeau in extraordinary levels of contempt. And of course, while he was saying all of those things at that time, what was not disclosed publicly, which we now know about, is that the Trudeau Foundation actually holds interests in a company that has a key deliverable for the overall vaccines. They're making bank, right? So this whole idea that he would throw a huge proportion of his fellow citizens under the othering bus while not disclosing a strong financial interest that apparently is worth a lot of money, is a really reprehensible, disgusting act of a very small man. And so Justin Trudeau represents to me somebody who, if he really believes what he's saying there, and I'm not sure that he does, but if he does, then he also fell for the menticiding, the mass psychosis, the othering that happened, but with little English on the ball, with a strong financial interest component and self-interest component. So very, very unfortunate, very gross to see all of these things happening. But of course, we have many, too many victims to count. <clears throat> Here's um, a tweet that came from uh, back in 2021, which is indistinguishable from a tweet or a, a sentiment that just came out in December of 2022. Kayla, Kyla in the Berg writing, uh, sometimes I sit back and ponder how great America would actually be if a new COVID variant wiped out every single unvaccinated person in the U.S., leaving only the caring, educated, selfless people with common effing sense a really unfortunate sort of a sentiment there but no worse than sean penn coming out saying it's time to send unvaccinated citizens to jail hey guess what that one's been fact checked is true um yeah sean you're a bad person um because good people take the time to understand 
what they're saying. Um, maybe, though, this raises to mind Pope Benedict uh, the Sixteen writing here, quote, speaking in the hope of being applauded, governed by what people want to hear out of obedience to the dictatorship of current opinion, is considered to be a sort of prostitution of words and of the soul. So if the shoe fits, um, I think he's talking to you, Sean. Um, I'm pretty sure about that. So this is actually, uh, uh, this is what 2022 really represented. We found out who the heroes were and we found out who the people we shouldn't really trust anymore. They'll always have an asterisk by their name. The doctors who were in a position to know better, who didn't do better. The health authorities who not just failed, but not just failed badly from time to time, but unerringly failed every single time in a way where we understand if you coin flip it once and you get heads, hey, it's an you know, it's how it happens. It's an accident. Twice, that's a coincidence. Three times, and we're starting to look at enemy action here. So by the time you flip the coin 50 times in a row, like Anthony Fauci, and you're always on the wrong side of the story, but surprise, it always means more money, more power for certain people. And doesn't matter how many people's lives get upended, harmed, or even ended. Well, then we understand this is enemy action. So that was a big part of 2022 for me, was understanding that enemy action and seeing it clearly, it's been laid bare. There are now two camps that people are self-selecting into. And in one camp, we have people who are operating with integrity and with power and with love and people, other people who are operating, obviously, in a, well, they're prostituting their words and their soul for completely meaningless reasons. So that is uh, what, how I saw 2022. And congratulations for making it through 2022. We are gonna flip now. If you wanna come by Peak Prosperity, There'll be a members only episode. We're going to talk about what all this actually means and what you can and should be doing about this in terms of preparing for 2023. And remember, if you want to, let's just have a quick reminder. We are going to, and if you haven't come by and checked us out before, you will want to do this. Um, we are going to have this incredible annual seminar. It's always just people rave about it. So if you want to meet other people who think this way and come on by and find the tribe of folks who can connect all these dots and are willing to talk about anything, economy, energy, environment, COVID, monetary policy, you name it, how to raise a garden. That's what we do. We hold all these dots together. We assemble a really great cast of people who can inspire and can lead. And of course, the true stars of this is the audience who shows up and participates. So, hey, come on by, check that out if you want. Early bird specials on the table right now, but it's a great value no matter how you slice it. So come on by for that. For everybody else, I will see you over at Peak Prosperity. We're going to be talking about what all this stuff means and what it implies as we go forward. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been Chris Martinson with another Peak Prosperity special for you. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. See you next time.